welcome to the So She Is podcast. I am your host, Katie Grimes, and this podcast is your one-stop shop for all things manifestation, neuroscience, spiritual evolution, healing, and living in alignment with the highest truth of who you actually are. I know that you pushing play today is no accident, and I am so grateful for you being here. So with that said, let's get this party started. Hello, welcome back to So She Is. I am so grateful for you being here today. Before we go any further, I just want to give a huge trigger warning that this episode contains topics such as eating disorders, body dysmorphia, and just a lot to do with the body and relationships to food and how you look and society and how it all plays a role. And so please honor the current capacity that you are at. And if you do not feel like you have the capacity to listen, please skip this episode. If you think these topics could trigger you or put you in a negative place, please skip this episode and see us in the next on Thursday. And for those of you sticking around, hello, welcome back. I had a lot of fun with this one. It's pretty vulnerable. Um, I feel like when Callie and I chat, sometimes we go places that I had no intention of going or sharing or even things I've really admitted or said out loud sometimes just come out. And so I hope you really enjoy this episode. I think it is one that many will resonate with. And so if you do, please be sure to let us know by tagging us on Instagram, letting us know in the reviews, maybe even sending a text if you feel it and you don't want it to be public. I really appreciate the feedback and any words or anything you took away um, or just anything you'd like to hear more of or dive deeper on. It's so appreciated. Before we dive into this episode, I just want to remind you that we have So We Are Silent Disco events every Sunday in February and January. So our last one of January is January 29th, this upcoming Sunday. I would absolutely love to see you there and move with you and dance with you and just expand with you. Our last one, our first one back, we just had yesterday and it was so beautiful and this new location is just awesome. It's a little bit more secluded. It's a little bit more like spacious, but together, I don't know. You'll have to come check it out for yourself. So without further ado, here is the episode. Hello, Callie. Hi, Katie. What is going on over there in Huntington? Nothing. Can I see your ring, please? Oh, yes. Here she is. Oh, Oh, my God. She's so big. So you got married, Katie Grimes. I know. Hello, it's Katie Grimes here. I've said it a couple times and it just, it gets, it's way more normal now. And I had to fill out like a thing for an event and it was like, choose your suffix. And I was like, Mrs. (laughs) MRS is a weird thing. It feels a little bit old. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. I'm good being an MRS or an MISS or MS, whatever I want to be. I'll just choose that day. (laughs) Yeah. You can choose the day up. Exactly. Mrs. Grimes. Mrs. Grimes here. I am pretty excited to jump into our topic of the body and body dysmorphia and all that things because speaking of wedding, not, not just body things, a lot of things come up when you get married unexpectedly. And that's probably like ignorant for me to think like, oh, like this is going to be a breeze. But 
a lot of things were brought to the surface for myself of just across the board. But as the wedding approached closer and closer, I started to feel myself get tighter and tighter about my body Mm -hmm. and wanting to go back to more habits that are not as healthy. And I, when I was picking my dress and to anyone that has any former body stuff, I would suggest getting a dress that will not promote any of those prior behaviors. So when I got my dress, I loved it. And I knew that I would not starve myself for it because it was going to fit. And it wasn't like it's a drop waist, like there's no tightness. But as we got closer and the dress started fitting me, like the fittings kept happening. I, it started, it was strapless and I started to get so insecure about the skin of my armpit. I'm calling it skin because literally everybody has it. Even like people with like 0% body fat still, I could, I can notice it because it's my insecurity, but I started to freak out about that. And the funny thing is I, when Callie and I were walking on the beach one day, I went up to her and I was like, I can't even believe this. Like I've been looking up these YouTube videos, like how to like burn all your arm fat off in one week. And she was like, that's my favorite part of my body. And I think that's just the wildest fucking thing I ever heard. I was like, what? You can't possibly mean that. And she's like, no, like I literally love that part of my body. And so I feel like that's a good way to open it up and just be like, everybody sees things so differently. Um, and yeah, what do you, like, what did you feel about that whole situation? Yeah. Well, so I, this is a topic where I'm going to be like super connected to my body today because this is a topic that like brings up a lot for me. So for me, like I grew up very thin, like people, I just was naturally really thin. Like literally I would try to gain weight by eating cue the binge eating disorder and people would like I remember people holding my wrists and being like oh you're so thin you need a hamburger which like respectfully fuck those people because that is so like not appropriate to say but that's kind of what I grew up with so I always felt like not enough like not like I didn't have enough body so for me those like little armpit rolls are like I'm like when I have those I'm like yes like now I'm like filling out. Um, I love like stretch marks. I love cellulite. I love like anything that is showing that my body's taking up space. But, and then like, I think I used to think like, wow, I'm so body positive, but literally in this moment, as I'm describing it, I'm like, I think that's just a reflection of like also my own body dysmorphia of like my body isn't enough if I don't have those things you know yeah wow and that's the complete opposite of my story is I was like chunky like a heavy kid into like puberty and I'm I feel like I got like bullied for it like one time this one girl Michelle if you're listening Michelle fuck off but she called me fat Albert fat and like things like that like when fat Albert was like a thing and like I just remember, like there was definitely like core Fuck memories. you, Michelle. I know, honestly. I hope she listens. <laughs> but um, so mean and kind of creative. But like I'd never heard that one before. But yeah, it was like something on the playground, and they were we were talking about different things, and it's like, no, Katie, like you're fat, Albert fat. Like, <laughs> and so I have always associated with needing to like shrink and not take up mm. space because when I was a kid, I took up so much space energetically, 
physically all of it. I was the moment and I loved being the moment, but it's like things like that, that make you shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink. Yeah. And then I got really sick and then lost everything and got so much attention for it that it fucked me up. And that I think even like being sick, like was this tie to like beauty because everyone, I got so much more attention when I was like really thin and from like other people who didn't really necessarily know I was sick. And so Mm -hmm. then it was like this unattainable thing to keep up with, which then like kind of led to this like eating disorder NOS, which is like not a specific cause. Like it's not anorexia. It's not bulimia. It's just this form of like disordered eating Mm -hmm. that was due to my stomach, not digesting. But then even when I got better and I got like under like away from the doctor's microscope I still kept those behaviors because like that's literally like what I finally was everything I wanted to be you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so then getting those roles or getting things like oh no like I'm not that anymore you know Mm -hmm. and that kind of leads me to this one quote because mine specifically like my thing is thinness and I feel like I grew up in a very like Orange County which is like a hyper fixated oh my gosh. county on looks, on thinness, on Botox, on all the things. Filler. Filler, all of it. And so this was a quote from Naomi Wolf. And it said, a culture fixated on a female's thinness is not an obsession about female beauty, but an obsession about female obedience. Dieting is the most potent political sedative in a woman's history. A quietly mad population is a tractable one. And mm-hmm. I think that's like a huge part is that we've all been sold this belief system, this this ideology that we think is ours, but in a profitable society, that is just not the case, you know? Yeah. And so I think when these things come up and it's like, I'm married now. I, I don't have to, I have great sex. Like there's all these things that like you would do it for, Mm -hmm. and I'm still choosing to act this way. And then that's when you question what's this control for? Cause it's all control. I feel like even like the lack of control, the bit like you're binge eating or the Mm -hmm. opposite scale. It's like, it all comes back to this, like for men, for men, for this, for this attention, for this white patriarchy that is not designed where women could thrive. Because if mm-hmm. we just tapped into that infinite power, if we tapped into that womb space and we got a taste, I mean, the big bang, let's think about it. That's like the biggest orgasm you can have. If women started to tap into their power of like orgasm of the, the just their, their innate power, that is not a disciplined society there would mm-hmm. imagine all the big brains that could be created within the society if we unsubscribed from what we've been taught and I think that's just like a huge part of this conversation today and body dysmorphia yeah and yeah do you have any kind of thoughts on that as well because I just went on a little tangent <laughs> yeah no I love it well one thing that came up for me and we've talked about this before I feel like this conversation we're having right now is like a manifestation of like many previous conversations that we've had and like voice notes and stuff but um you're with a woman and I remember asking you like you're with a woman 
I've noticed that for me, I've oriented my life around men and like I'm with a man. So not even him particularly, but just men in general, like pleasing men, being being palatable to men in general. And I asked you, like, do you feel the same way now that you're with a woman? Yeah. And I yeah. love that you rebrought that up because I fully do. Like, I stop my, like, I'll like think about posting something. I'm like, I shouldn't, like, I look a little bit kind of big. Like, should I face tune it? I like am 110% committed to not face tuning anymore. It's something I used to fully do. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, for what? Because literally, side note, face tune, when you edit photos, do you know the mind fuck it is when you go back and look at those photos and that, and then you're like, wow, I don't look like that anymore, but you never once looked like that. Like it was all an app. Like, wow. and so then your memories or your Instagram that you go back and you're like, oh my God, I was so skinny when I was there. Oh my God. I was look so at hot back then, but like, no, you, no, you didn't literally like just that. Like two hours shrinking your waist yeah. and then editing the background. So all the lines are straight and then whitening your teeth all the things as so I fully unsubscribed. Yeah. Basis. Oh my God. I never thought of it like in that way where you, cause I've totally done that before where I've looked back on pictures and I'm like, Oh my God, I was so much cuter then, but it's like, was I right? Totally. And yeah. especially if you are enhancing the way you look in any form, it's the biggest like trip you could ever have. And so I'm pretty committed to like light filter, light, anything. Um, mm-hmm no, absolutely no face tune or adjust my body. Like if I feel that insecure, I just won't post it. Um, but it's not easy. I, I constantly see it and I'm like, Ooh, I could just, I could just tweak it a little bit, but going back, um, everything I think about is through the eyes of men, how mm-hmm. I want to be seen, um, everything. And I'm like, it, it takes a conscious effort to be like, who am I doing this for? If it's not for me, it's not for my partner. And like, what, what do I want these people to think of me? I don't give a fuck what my friends think. You know what I mean? I'm using a lot of F-bombs this episode. Apologies. But like, I think it's because I care a lot. Like, I'm just like, it's necessary. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. I but. think like for like feeling the need to be palatable for men, like we have literally been raised to like, almost like that's our sole purpose. Like, I feel like the career stuff that is so new by the way for like women in general those are like side quests but the main thing the main goal is to like find a man get married happily ever after kids be a good mom blah 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 but I feel like even the like career stuff where people are like oh my gosh I'm blah 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 I feel like those are side quests vibe you know Mm -hmm. what I mean Totally. And then if you don't have it as a side quest, it typically is like the pendulum swing where it goes yeah, fully the opposite way. And you just made me think of something when I was um, sitting here about talking about men and work. And when I was in corporate America, it took me a long time to come out. It may, it was easy to not come out because of the pandemic. So I didn't have to see anybody face to face. And then you can choose what you post on social media and you can make it look like anything you want. And so I just opted out of sharing that I was in a relationship with a girl for almost the entire relationship that our entire time I was in corporate America, which was about a year. And it took me, it took me a long time to post like a kissing photo, like probably a year and a half of me and Curly, like to declare that we were together. We had a lot of selfies or whatever, but you could assume, but it took me Mm -hmm. a long time to declare it. And 
I know that it was because I was afraid of what mainly the men in my workplace would think of me. Um, I was also afraid of anyone that I've like previously been with or hooked up with, what they would think of me and would they think I was not it would like like that it wouldn't be like if this didn't work out like really would they still like want to have sex with me after this Th- thoughts like that or wow. would they yeah, still think I'm, I'm palatable after this like like it was tainted like I would like there was something wrong with being with curly being with a girl let's not even go curly and then I remember eventually getting like the courage to share my thoughts with so- like a friend and she's like do you not know men like they probably think that's like the sexiest thing like that you've been with a girl and I felt like they would be so threatened by that but I think I felt that because our relationship was so deep obviously we're married it's it was so much more than like one could ever explain it was so much it's it is so much more than just all the surface level situationships I had that I was like oh this is a threat to them to anyone I've been with previously and for that I need to protect them from this because they might not like this if this mm-hmm. doesn't work out. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that- almost like us just existing or like existing in a way that doesn't conform to a certain image. Like I'm thinking Victoria's Secret model, like just existing like that is offensive to men. Like as mm-hmm. though like our sole purpose is to exist can we talk about the m&ms yes please okay so i'm gonna explain this i don't even know how i can do this without the visual because quite frankly it's just mind-blowing but while you're talking do you want me to pull the audio up and i could put it yes pull up the audio so i'll explain it and then katie will play the audio so on fox news i don't know who this guy is but if you saw him you'd know who it was he was like talking about there's been a lot of like issue with the green M&M over the years about her being like slutty and I'm like okay it's an M&M she's wearing boots like let's relax um but they had like the female M&Ms pulled up and they're like apparently there's a new plus size M&M and it's like an almond shaped M&M okay is it ready oh yeah you want to hear yeah go ahead and play it M&M's have returned Green M&M got her boots back but apparently is now a lesbian maybe and there's also a plus-sized, obese, purple M&M. So we're going to cover that, of course, because that's what we do. Woke m M&M. Of course, we're going to cover that. Wait, but I forgot the lesbian part. Why did you? Oh, because she's getting next hate to hate the lesbians. It's too threatening. But they can't get with them. So they they're not conquer them. Jesus Christ. Wow, that is crazy. I can't believe he called. If you saw the picture of this M&M, obese we'll post is it like... on our story when we post this. Yes, I will. Oh my God. Like it is literally like the most delusional thing, but I'm like, I, they, first of all, they're talking about the female M&Ms. Like we're talking about candy, cartoon candies. And they're literally body shaming the fucking, I like, I don't, I can't even form an opinion about this other than it's ridiculous. So like, why don't you hop in here? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to just like, the sexualization of anything that could have a gender, right? Like over-sexualizing a chocolate candy that in real life doesn't even come with googly eyes on it. It's just for commercials. Like it's literally just the marketing. Like 
And I think you had an interesting point of like the porn industry and how there's like different animated porn situations. And you're like, this oh yeah. And not that that's bad if that's what you're into, but it's like to hypersexualize a cartoon is a fetish. It is something yeah. that is like disturbing. But then again, it's just what we've been sold. Like we have just mm-hmm. been sold this over and over again. And we think it's like, our culture we think it's us we think it's within us yeah that is literally not the case <laughs> you are so much more than an mm oh my gosh and yeah. go ahead it kind of makes me think of that it's all of this kind of makes me think of this study of these girls in fiji and so there was a harvard medical student and a psychiatrist her name's ann e becker and she was studying anthropology in fiji and in 1995 and there food was the part of their culture it was everything the like family and social life revolved around food and it was just food 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 and they'd unzip their pants and lie down where they were and that's like a good meal in fiji good food and family so that was in 19 what do you mean they would unzip their pants like, like after they, they the ate? Meal? oh like, yeah, like their they, tummy got big their tummy got full oh, like, they, okay. like it was a cultural norm to unzip your pants like after and just be like wow like i can't wear like these are like just like to relax like lay yeah. down unzip, like get comfortable that kind of vibe and so that study was in or like in 1995. So then, or before 19. Okay. So that was 1995. Then she went back when she was getting her doctorate or something like that. And by 1998, the TV had been around for three years. Okay. And so without television or any culture, Western culture being thrown Fiji's way, there was free, they were free of eating disorders. There, it was like not really heard of to have an eating disorder, but by 1998, literally just like three years after like the sexy soap operas and seductive commercials, 11.3% of adolescent girls reported that they had at least once purged to lose weight. And then, I mean, the girl that went Becker, she was like what the hell's going on and started talking like the girls that she would interview were like I want their body I want their size and it was really this connection to power more than anything like oh like to get power and to get this tension like to get a job I need to be skinny and it was just a terribly sad like story to hear because it took a toll so bad on like the mental health that when she went back, she went back again in 2007 and then found like that suicide rates were extremely high. 45% girls had purged in the last month. They were using appetite stimulants and it was like, they were inviting this thinness and completely disparaging their traditional culture that was to have these delicious meals with your family and unzip your pants when you're full. And I think it just shows that this is all taught. Oh yeah, totally learned. And it's that particularly too, that we talk about this a lot in this like program I'm doing. Um, It's the colonization of like different forms of trauma. It's like really fucked up and 
God, I don't know. I just feel like heaviness because it's like the thought of unzipping your pants when you've had a good meal is like this like feeling of like joy and like fullness and like fullness and like belly and like heart because like normally when you like eat a good meal like that you're like with other people and da 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 and it's just really and that's crazy too that it happened so fast because in my like cultural studies like they like harp on oh culture doesn't change that fast but I guess like holy crap that's just crazy that how powerful media is like that is gnarly yeah well it's just like the facetune now it's like when you're consuming things that are presented as real even if you know they're not like the actresses that were on the soap operas like you don't know they're not eating you don't know they're starving or maybe they're naturally thin like this is not to say skinny people are not like having eating disorders but you just don't know the truth of the person and so when we consume this media it's like can be so damaging and also just in general I feel like social media especially can help like make you just like forget who you are Mm. or like what you like because you just see what everyone else likes and then you just like kind of assume you like it like Crocs Crocs is like probably the best case study you could do I wore Crocs forever and I got fucking crucified and now Crocs are the coolest thing you could ever wear and it's because I'm sure influencers started wearing them yeah like it's I mean you're super into marketing do you have any like stats on that yeah I mean like they're for marketing it's like we have these, I don't know, for Crocs, I don't even know what to say, because I also grew up where Crocs were, like, literally a joke, like, Crocs were, like, a joke, like, and so marketing is basically, like, just one big manipulation to appeal to people's deepest desires for themselves, and, like, if you look at international marketing, international marketing, you're appealing to the basic human desires of, like, being seen, valued, and loved, and, like, so if you're selling anything that has to do with apparel, you're selling, you're not selling the product, you're selling the dream of being attractive and loved, and, ooh, um, there's this whole book called The Culture Code by, uh, Clotaire Rapai, it's this French guy who, like, came here and wrote a book about American culture and our culture code for beauty is salvation so basically like what he would do is he would put these people in a room and like do like yoga nidra type of meditation with them for like hours and then after that he would yoga nidra is when you like access the subconscious mind and then he would ask them at the end What's your first memory of beauty, sex, alcohol, whatever it was he was trying to learn about. And then he would say, what is your most powerful memory? And so people, when they started talking about their first memories with beauty, it was like consistent themes of like, oh, like if I'm beautiful enough for this guy, then he'll like stop cheating on me. Or if I, I can change this guy if I'm beautiful enough for him or like, oh, like my, I saw my mom getting ready for my dad or like, it was this like element of salvation where it's like beauty is not just beauty. It can, as Americans define it, at least it can change behavior. And I think it's true. Like, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I'm just saying that is so like from my experiences, like absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, if you think of like the, what did they call it? Like cocaine chic. Look, like in the oh my god yeah, bro that's coming back we have to talk about that too 
I know. But then how it can flip so hard and everyone's getting a BBL to look like the Kardashians. Like, I mean, that's why it's like, okay, who, who are you literally doing this for? Like, why do you have a problem with wrinkles on your forehead? Why do you have a problem with, with your flat ass or your, or your huge ass? Like, yeah. Cause in the early two thousands, if you said someone had a fat butt, that was like the worst thing you could say about them. And then in the, like five years ago, that was the best thing you could say. Literally the best. So it's like, can't keep up with this shit. I know you might as well just like stay true to yourself. <laughs> yeah, you'll come into style eventually. You will literally come back into style, which at whatever your set is. And that made me think of something, but it just like left my mind. Um, oh, I was watching a movie from the 2000s, like early 2000s. And to see the actress's face move was incredible. I was loving it. Because I'm not huge on Botox. I know you aren't either. Like both of us, I mean, we're 25 and 26. Imagine if you told yourself in 2010 that you were going to get Botox at 25. You would sound like a lunatic. Where now I'm sure 15-year-olds also want Botox. They also want lip filler. It is just like so disturbing. And I feel like there's good. I feel like soon, not soon. I feel like eventually people are going to look. 10 years, people are going to look back at how like social media was not regulated in any shape or form because we're in this like technology age that it's gonna be like wait you did that it's gonna be like smoking and pregnant or smoking inside or drinking and being pregnant like all those crazy things where it's like now you look back you're like wait we know so much more now like why would you don't do that don't smoke like smoking gives you lung cancer it's not good for you like I get on a soapbox about Botox for a minute because like I've like studied Botox so much because I'm like there's nothing I'd want more. Okay. So Botox is botulism toxin and botulism is the thing that comes from a can, like when a like little spore gets into a can, um, like something that's supposed to be like sealed canned. Right. And if you consume it, you can literally go into a coma and die because even the smallest amount, that's why you're not supposed to eat cans that are like damaged. You know how they say like, throw them away, don't eat them. Because if, air got inside and a spore of botulism toxin got inside you can die because what it does is it paralyzes muscle so we have like smooth muscle on the inside of our body this is like a skeletal muscle like the muscle that you can see like you know well not fucking but you know under your skin muscle um and so it paralyzes the muscle and what happens when you don't work something out or move it at all it atrophies and so when you get Botox, you're injecting that toxin into your body and you're paralyzing the muscle. And so that's why it doesn't give you wrinkles because you can't move it. But then what happens, the muscle atrophies and what happens when muscle atrophies, like if you look at someone who like, um, like broke their left leg or something and they couldn't work it out for like two or three months when they take it out or when they take off the cast, the leg doesn't look great because it hasn't like worked out or moved in like months. So when we get botulism or Botox injected, the muscles atrophy, and then you're in the cycle where you can't not, you can't stop doing Botox because now your muscles atrophied. And once the Botox goes away, it looks even worse because the muscles like barely there anymore. So you have to keep going again and again. So anyway, so I'm it's a saying, really big habit to start at 25. It's a big <laughs> thing. To, yeah. It, that And that's why when people say, oh, get preventative Botox, 
I don't see the merit in that personally because you're actually like just starting to atrophy that muscle way earlier. It doesn't make sense to me. I think it's a marketing thing because if you can get Botox is expensive. That's why I don't want to do it too. Like, I mean, for me, like I never say never like for Botox. I'm not a fan of filler. Like I know that, but never say never. But also it's like you're once you're in it, you're in that cycle and it's expensive. And if you start it at like 20, like I knew no people that got Botox literally at age 20 and you're then you're committed your whole life. And that's so much money. And I'm like, you could go on a trip with that shit. Yeah, fully. I think that's like something I, I know I'm never saying never either. Because like I especially when I was getting closer to my wedding, I was like, maybe I should get it under my eyes, like like my smile lines. Like I've from childhood, I have had smile lines. Like it's just me. Like I don't know. Like it's not age. It's not anything crazy. I mean, with age, I'm sure it's gonna keep getting worse. But like but- I love that. I just saw this. I follow this girl on uh Instagram who does uh she's called the beauty shaman and she does like gua sha stuff. And she said that her Botox just like fully faded from her forehead. And so now she has some lines and she's like, my, she said, your face tells a story about your whole life and also like how you're feeling now. And she's like, my forehead lines are my friends. So if they start getting really prominent, she knows she needs like more self-care and rest and all of that. And I thought that was so beautiful. Cause you're like, oh, I had these smile lines as a kid. Like you must've just been a really like happy I mean, I don't know. Were you? Yeah, I feel like it's genetic too. Like my niece already yeah. has like a line under her eye. Like, I mean, it's just like lot. I mean, it's just like parts of your skin. But then that's where that bigger question comes in because I'm I've always been like so like I I don't need Botox. I don't need Botox. And then I started to feel like I really needed it. And I was like, according to who? Because like I was like so committed to not that like now it's like. I don't, it's just like when you see nobody with smile lines, like I would actively seek for people who have smile lines still. So then I was like, oh, but she looks great. Okay. She looks great. And honestly, one of my, she wasn't really a friend, but she's someone that I went to school with in Ohio. Like she posted her wedding photos and she had her like smile lines and she looks so happy that I was like, I'm not getting, and first of all, why would I do this like six weeks out before my wedding? Like, what if I hate it? Like I should have started earlier, but Again, it's always according to who, like, why do I need this? Like when I didn't feel like I did. And Glennon Doyle is someone that is like going through her own body journey right now. And I've kind of been following. And she was saying like her, everything about her life and her personality has come back to like discipline and control. And like, she's so disciplined about this, disciplined about this, disciplined about this. And then she's like, but like, like a disciplined, like I'm so disciplined. I can control everything, blah, blah. And then she's like, but all this discipline makes me a disciple, but who am I to a disciple to? And she was like, I want to, like, she's realizing all this control she's had is for the patriarchy, for the male gaze, for the touch, for the, for the attention, for the, I am so put together. She is thin. She doesn't take up too much space. She, and, and she talks about the aspect of power too the power that comes or assumes to come because I think you get the male attention and you're to the male, you're palatable to men. Mm -hmm. And then you get the power with that. And she's like, I want to be a disciple to myself, not to all these, because I realize everything I've prided myself on this far has not been for me. And I was just like, Oh my God, like, what am I a disciple to? Like what controls you? And 
yeah, it's just wild. Yeah. I know for myself, like just going off of what you said, like when I started doing the Tantra stuff, that was huge for my body image. Like I started feeling the hottest fucking thing walking this earth when I got really into Tantra because you shift, like, I didn't realize this till right now, till we're talking about it, but you shift that point of focus from men to your pussy. Mm. And it sounds like kind of weird, especially if you're like, if you've never heard of that concept before, it's like, what the hell does that mean? But in the retreat I went to in the, like all the things I did with it, you're orienting towards what feels good for your pussy. And I'm not even just talking about sex. Like what clothes do you wear that feel good for your pussy? Like for me, I don't, my pussy doesn't like leggings. They're too tight and they like suffocate her. So it's like flowy stuff or like, how does my pussy want to move? who does my pussy want to invite in and like all these different things. And I swear when I like, I've kind of like fallen off the Tantra train a little, a lot in the last few months, but when I'm really into Tantra, especially it's a lot of like self-touch, like breast massage, body massage, pussy massage, like you start to connect to your body in a way where you're just like, wait a second, I'm fucking divine. Like I'm fucking, there's nothing better than being divine like you're just divine. And then from there, I'm like, wow, I'm fucking hot. And anyone would be lucky to be with me. And I feel this like on an embodied level. So for me, that's been huge in reconnecting to my body. Like, what have you done that is like, because you do that kind of stuff too, right? Like kind of tantric stuff. Yeah. I also kind of have fallen off of that a little bit, but I totally agree with that. Um, and like the, just yeah the tantric approach totally um I do a lot of mirror work too um and like movement in the mirror and like I have also I learned this from someone on TikTok actually and she said like one of the best things you can do for self-confidence is like masturbate while looking in the mirror and you like watch it happen and I tried it and it was really cool (laughs) sorry mom but it was really really cool and I would recommend that to like anyone. I feel like any gender, any, anything like, because it's like, again, that innate power, that like literal life force energy and you're watching it happen and you can and like it, seduce yourself in the mirror. Like you're fully yeah. focused on you, which brings you back to your body. Like you can't go off. Sometimes I go off in my head, like during pleasure things, like to like amplify it like oh yeah yeah yeah. but like it's really grounding to do that exercise because it it forces you to lock in but it doesn't feel scary and it might feel scary to some I know people have different relationships with the mirror but I like to use the mirror even if it feels like even if I'm in baggy clothes I, I still like to connect with myself through the mirror and then Mel Robbins also has this thing called like the high five thing and like I forgot it's like a high five situation but basically every single day you high five yourself in the mirror and there's like literal neurochemistry or whatever proof of like because of what a high five is is associated with and the endorphins that get shot when you get a high five for something because it's like praise from typically and typically you only give high fives to someone else so like every day like after you brush your teeth in the morning like to give yourself a high five is this instant like pick me up and I do do it every day (laughs) I love that. I feel like the, the neuro 
science of like the you know the grooves in the brain like the more you like say something or do something like the deeper the grooves get in the brain of like the neuropathways that's the word I'm looking for it like gets deeper and you can build new ones but the ones that are deep are like harder to change because they're just like deeper or more established for me like a big point of my negative self-talk around my body has been my boobs my breasts and just like when I was doing a lot of like tantric massage on them, like literally like so much stuff came up about like all the hate that my boobs have received over the years from like random people, from friends, from lovers, like everything. So I hold a lot there. And when I start to feel that coming up. clarify? Yeah. Like like what, what kind of hate? Um, my boobs are, I don't know, people just talking shit about them. Hi, Callie here in post-editing. So when Katie asked me that, I literally blacked out. It is so triggering for me still to talk about this part of my body. Like, and even just genuinely, I realized, oh my God, I still carry so much shame there. So um, Katie genuinely didn't know what I was talking about because she said she had never noticed my boobs before. So I'm like, okay. So for context... I have beautiful, delicious A-cup boobies, and like I said, I have often, for me, I err on the side of not feeling enough, like not feeling like there's enough of me. So for me, um, it was often feeling like my boobs were not big enough, and growing up, I just had so many voices from, from men, from women, from lovers which is like devastating from people that thought I wasn't listening to them um but I was like one time I someone thought I was asleep and they started talking horribly meanly about my boobs and just from like different sources just just mean things and very rarely did I get any nice words about my boobs and so now that's something that I work to give them myself um and yeah I'm just holding them even as I talk about this so I just wanted to provide some context because after me and Katie stopped recording, I was genuinely like, oh my God, Katie, I literally blacked out when you asked me that. And she was like, wait, I literally don't even know what you're talking about. Like I, I was genuinely asking because I had never noticed your boobs before. So she's like, what was, what was the problem with them? So I just thought I'd provide context now that I'm like regulated and in post editing. Um, so yeah, hopefully that's helpful. And I know I'm not the only one that has shame about a part of my body where I damn near blackout when someone asks about it. So just for the sake of authenticity and also just talking about it, I think it's important. Really? Yeah. So strange. I'm so sorry about that. Thank you. Okay. But when you feel it coming up, sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. Yeah. So when I feel it coming up, I will hold my boobs like I'm holding them right now because it's grounding and I feel like anxiety coming up because this is vulnerable (laughs) to talk about um I'll look in the mirror and I'll just be like you have the best fucking boobs in the whole world like you have the best boobs in the whole world and I'll just like keep saying that to myself and I try to do it every day and I swear it's like positive brainwashing because then I start to believe it and also this is coming up for me right now too me and Oliver in Amsterdam we went to the museum of sex and they had like rows and rows and rows a whole room of like porn from the 1800s and it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen because it was like pre 
cosmetic surgery bodies and it was like boobs of all shapes and sizes all of them were gorgeous bodies of all shapes and sizes and I feel like I guess now that I'm talking right now I feel like if we had more of that like I literally just stared at that porn for like so long because I was like I love this and I feel like if we had more of that I I know for myself, I would have an easier time loving my body, but it's like, just like you said, when we have all these fucking face-tuned images, it's like, I don't see myself in that, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. It just made me think of this funny thing on Too Hot to Handle, this one guy, because Curly was like, we watched it together and she was so floored by this statement. This guy's like, yeah, my type is a fat ass and a thigh gap. And Carly was like, what? You literally can't have both. <laughs> like, Who like said that? On too hot to handle. I don't remember. It was the most recent season, I believe. He was like a spiritual type of guy. Or maybe it was uh Love is Blind. It was one of the, it was one of those, and it was such a line that like we now like always say, like, I'm gonna fat ass and a thigh gap. Bro, when you find her, let me know because that's that's like just not possible but just like you're saying like you were looking at this 1800s porn versus like someone from 2022 getting on camera and literally saying out loud to millions of people on netflix i want a fat ass and a thigh gap as if like that is possible the only way i feel like it is is like genetics like if you have like a wide pelvic floor like something like that you know what i mean like yeah i feel like you had like really uh, yeah like a wide pelvis there's like ways but it would not be like sustainable by the gym you know what I I mean like (laughs) maybe if you had a wide pelvis and a BBL I don't know that's what I mean like but like organically if you're listening to this and you have a fat ass and a thigh gap we love you but I mean you should call that guy you should go call that guy because he's probably still looking for you yeah um also that rings to mind when I was like watching too hot to handle with this uh friend group that I used to hang out with and some of the girls had bigger bodies and I remember them saying like okay first of all there's like barely any people of color on this and secondly there's no one with a bigger body so you're basically saying like by saying we've assembled the hottest people in the country or in the world that they are excluded from that And I remember being like, wait, that's kind of fucked up. Because for me, I look for women. I have beautiful A-cup boobies. I look for women in media that have a similar body to mine to affirm like, oh yeah, like I think she's hot. That means I'm hot too. Uh, What's her name? Alexa Demi from Euphoria. I'm obsessed with her. Small booby queen. I love it. If you're looking to media to find someone that looks like you and there's no one to be found, like what message does that send? I mean, I feel like that has been people of color and it still is. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's like, like us having like white privilege and like skinny privilege. And like, we have like, there's so many things that we don't have to think about that. That's like the normal for other people. Like I'm sure your friends have really never seen anyone on any show that looks like them, unless it was like the funny friend, like the girl from High School Musical, you know, who's like not desirable. I you know what I mean? Her. Yeah, she's just like there. Um, 
that reminds me too of this thing with, well, I, I think you sent that to me this morning with Selena Gomez, but I saw this other thing. So I've always thought Selena Gomez is just the hottest thing. I think she's like part of the reason I was like, I think I'm bi because <laughs> I was like, oh my God, Selena Gomez is like, the I don't care what weight she is. I've just been like, this woman is it. a goddess. Yeah. She's amazing. And apparently she's gained weight, which like good for her or like whatever. I don't know. Weight, I think is a huge reflection of inner world. So I don't want to say like, I don't know. You just never know what's going on with them. Maybe that's healthy for them. Maybe not. I don't know, but she has gained weight. And I saw this on another TikTok video. She posted a picture of her like coming out of the water in her swimsuit. And the comments were like, you're so brave to post this. Like, good job. Like you look so carefree. And the guys in the video were like, what if you said that to your girlfriend? Like if your girlfriend was like, oh, like baby, how do I look? And he's like, oh, you look really carefree. It's like, so brave. You look brave today. Like, why can't we just be like, you look fucking hot. Or like, are you like, you look like you're having a great time. I don't know. Like that just sits, that just doesn't sit well with me to like have her post a picture and everyone be like, oh, wow. Like you're so like confident. It's like, what does that mean? Literally you're stunning. I know. I think it's just all this collective jumble of like, like Selena Gomez posting that video is an act of defiance against everything that everyone gets to believe. And I respect that. And I think we need more of that because if people just posted what their bodies actually looked like without angles, without everything, I think we'd have a lot better mindset. Or if we just didn't post it all, if we just got rid of it all. (laughs) Because just like the girls in Fiji, obviously it's harmful to consume. I know it's so gnarly. That's why I do appreciate TikTok because I don't, I know everyone gets different stuff on their for you page, but I get a lot of the like, not, it's not even body positivity. It's just like, this is what my body actually looks like. If you've ever seen that, like for the gym, they're like, this is what my body looks like when I'm posing. And this is what it looks like in the same moment, you know, like two seconds later. I love those. Cause it's like, your body can look like so many different things in one moment. Katie, why don't you tell me about another thing that's, or like anything else that's helped you? Cause I feel like everyone that exists in the world as a human, especially as a woman has had like body struggles, but like, what's been something else you said, like the mirror stuff, something yeah, else that's helped the mirror you. stuff, something else that's like really healthy is like, when I go to the doctor, I don't get weighed. Um, and like, you can literally just ask, I mean, the day after I asked for that, like I took my blood pressure and it was so high because I was so nervous, but like they respect it. Like I just said, like I have, like I more worded it. Like I do not want to know what this is. You can take it. I'm going to like close my eyes, but I have had a history of like, if I don't know the number, I'm good. I mean, my, you always kind of know where you're at, but like the number does some fucked up stuff to my head. And so I, just request that. Like, I don't, I don't need to spiral and it's not even avoiding. It's literally just self-care. It is an act, like a radical act of self-care to stand up for yourself in situations like that. And so if you have weird stuff about the way or, or you are obsessed with the scale, your life will get significantly better if you throw it away. I used to get weighed every single day in college because I was sick and then went to college And my weight would determine if I was able to play or not. So if I was like too low of a weight, they'd make me sit out. 
and it was trying to be like an incentive to eat but then when I became obsessed with it then it was just like oh like how many ounces of water do I drink and then like how does that affect my weight so I could tell you like what a single tic-tac could do to your weight like and I also know that weight's like fake so like if you wake up and then you drink 12 ounces of water you're gonna be a lot heavier than you would have been if you didn't drink any water that day and that's probably really unhealthy information to share but also if you are someone that would try that you probably already know that it's unhealthy Mm -hmm. um so as soon as I lost my relationship to the scale, my quality of life improved because I wasn't always stressing about what that was going to say, because that then would reflect my beauty and my likability and um, my obedience, my control, my everything. Like it just, yeah, the this getting, throwing out of the scale has been the best thing for my relationship to my body. Um, and then also like acting the opposite. That's something that I've been um, actively like working on as like old behaviors had kind of like surfaced. So if it's like, I should like heavily, heavily exercise and eat like close to nothing. It's like, what is the opposite of that? maybe just like a light exercise and like a full meal. Like it doesn't have to be the extreme opposite, but it's like, okay, if that's what my body, like that's what's like calling me to do. I don't, I can't trust that part of my brain. It never led me to happy places. It also never left me, it led me to like the fulfilling relationship or the sexy dream guy. I thought it would, I still had trash relate. Like that's a little newsflash. <laughs> like if you think your body is going to get you a something, let's say a relationship, so you really want a relationship. You think your body is going to be what does it. I am here to tell you that is not true. It might get you in the door. You might get the eyes. You might get a reply. You might get picked up on at a bar. But all of those demons that are living within you and in your energy and everything is what's not going to be sustainable in the long run. Even if it was like, like, I mean, like, Every single relationship I had, I couldn't even have the capacity to have it because I didn't have the capacity to like myself enough to even like be there. Like, I remember one time this one guy who like, terrible, like, I mean, he was talking to a bunch of different girls, but he like invited me over in the morning. And I'm like, no, this is like my time, like that I work out like aggressively, like, and you want to connect with me. You want to cuddle me. Like when you are in, when you are controlled by exercise and food to look a certain way or else you'll have like panic no nothing outside of yourself is going to help you like I couldn't even explore that relationship because I just assumed like what could he want with me in the morning other than to like just genuinely connect but like I couldn't even see it that way like you are wearing foggy glasses but ultimately it comes down to you it comes down to your decision to start living a more sustainable and healthy lifestyle and then things fall into place. And then I also don't believe you have to be perfect to, I was nowhere near perfect when I met Curly. And I think in our divine timeline, we were meant to heal a lot of stuff in a container together. Meaning like I had, I was already in it. And then like, I could go deeper and deeper because I was being held by someone that made me feel safe. But I was already a gazillion times out of that cycle by the time I met Curly and I could like skip a workout and go have dinner with her. I could do these things. I could eat the bread at the table. Like, it's just, 
wild. And I remember the first time that I allowed myself to eat pizza. It was at a music festival. It was outside lands and it was with Michaela Francis. So if you are listening, I love you so much. You have no idea about this moment, but it was day three of the festival and we ordered a pizza and it was like the personal ones. And I, at this point was still pretty strict with what I ate. It wasn't as obsessive. It was just stricter like pizza. I'd never. And I remember I ate the pizza and I felt so energized and I didn't die. And I was like, wow, what was I? And I didn't look any different. Like it was okay. Like, wow, like pizza is like the littlest, like, and then I thought about all the things I said no to in college. Like all the times my friends would go get stuff or do stuff like, no, like I'm okay. Just go without me out, like eat later or whatever. And I'm like, damn, it's really just you against yourself. And like, the like little personal pizza. Like, I ate every bite. I remember that tasted so good. And it was just like, I am alive and I didn't die from this. You know what I mean? Like the yeah, things yeah. that are going to nourish you and fill you up when you're in this weird state of mind often are like what you think will kill you. And that's why it's so important to just act opposite. Yeah, and I know that was a little bit of like a little whirlwind, but I felt like it was just a flow and necessary Um, Do you have anything like that, that you kind of have experienced any moments like that, or just like something that brought you back to your body, like throwing out the scale that led you to like doing something else? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, so I grew up in a home where my mom was a health coach and she, we had a safe at home in her closet. Guess what was in the safe? Not money, not jewels, chocolate. Like that's like the vibe in our home was like, that's literally what we put in the fucking safe and so we didn't really have like sweets around the house growing up um and if we did it was those like GMC like fucking caramel lozenges oh and my I god would, like, my, those favorite. For pleasure. <laughs> my favorite those protein little things yes yes and they were like literally medicine and I'd like eat five of them a day and have like diarrhea from them but I was like I couldn't resist and then my mom would get mad at us she's like Anyway, we were like, me and my sister would have like chocolate chips for like a sweet, you know, because we like didn't have cookies or whatever. So um, as I'm saying this too, I'm like hearing my mom's voice in my head going, oh, you had it so bad. But honestly, yeah, like these are the conditions where eating disorders are, are born, like, like it or not, mom or whoever is listening to this, like that's genuinely like that's disordered eating, like not like restricting certain foods. So we were very restricted. So growing up, like I may be similar to you. Like, I don't know. I I know I have binging. Like I, I binge sometimes like I'll literally like black out and like eat stuff. And then at the end I'll be like, who ate all this food? So I, I definitely binge, but I don't know what my eating disorder is. It's not like anorexia or bulimia, but it's like a, just a potpourri of like, you know, different stuff. And, um, and for me, what has been the most healing in my relationship with food is like eating for pleasure and de-shaming everything. So like for the last couple years, I would eat anything that I fancied. Like I, I literally would eat fast food if I wanted to eat that fast food, if I was craving it and I would like savor every single bite and I 
like to me that like we never had fast food growing up like there was foods that were like shamed and I also grew up in home that was extremely fat phobic so like to me like even though I'm saying like oh I wanted to be bigger and take up more space like there was also a part of me that was like don't get too big don't eat certain foods like almost like certain foods were moral like more morally high and certain foods were like sinful and I also grew up Christian so shout out to that um I'm sure that structure didn't help with my eating but yeah so for me like taking that lens off and just seeing all food as neutral has been the most helpful to me like eating apples and like kale I don't even like kale I don't know why I said that spinach whatever carrots I like carrots with the same like pleasure that I'd eat like Cane's chicken and to me that's been the most healing is like destigmatizing and de-shaming all types of food and then like at the end of the day like I eat what makes my body feel good like if I know it's going to give me a stomach ache I probably won't eat as much of it and sometimes I do because I also use food to cope and that's like a whole nother conversation. But to me, de-shaming and having all foods be neutral. Have you yeah. tried that? No. I was sitting here like, <laughs> oof, sounds like a good experiment for someone to try. <laughs> Maybe not me, but <laughs> great for you. No, I I was really enjoying every word you just said. I was like sitting here, oh. It's been years like, though. I mean, like genuinely years, you know. It takes like of time. trying? Yeah. And I'm still like, I know, like I have a friend who's super into like healthy stuff. And like, I, she's like, I never eat fast food. I don't even eat out. But it's like, I just can't be around people like that. Like I can't, I don't play the shame game with food. Like, yeah, I can't even have you talking about how you want to be like, oh, I don't do this. And I don't do that. Like, honestly, like keep that to yourself because I'm like, constantly like fuck the shame game I just don't play that anymore Mm -mm. like so yeah that to me like shame is just what keeps it all going you know so literally all of it I know it's so funny I like can I I could eat any sweets zero guilt at any point in my life even at like my thinnest like when I was at my thinnest I was like literally sick but like and it wasn't an eating disorder yet it was after and it's funny because all the doctors were like, this is going to turn into something if you don't like take care of it. Oh, wow. They told you that? They warned me. And then I got really mad that they warned me because like, you can't be right. And then uh, <sighs> it did kind of turn into one, but it was because of how they treated me in the microscope. Like it was just like, they forced the control on me. So I just hmm. thought it thought bad. No, one, no, no one treated me like a human. They only treat me like a body. So then I only learned how to be, be a, a body. And so that's been my journey back. But sweets have always been allowed. It's more of that like hearty. Yeah. When you said you had candy in your house, I was like, can you bring me some? Oh yeah. No, I am a sweet tooth gal and I feel zero guilt about it. But but, like, as long as I'm in like a solid place, I mean, I'd still eat it, but maybe I'd have the shame. But again, shame is just literally what makes this merry-go-round keep going. Yeah, totally. Well, anyways. (laughs) <laughs> this has been fantastic. Speaking of food, I have to boogie to go to lunch with my grandmother. Oh, so, I know it's going to be cute. So, so cute. thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to follow at so she is underscore podcast at Katie Crimes and at so we are underscore silent disco for more from me. And I'll let Callie plug herself next. Uh, yeah, my my name's Callie. And I, you know that by now. 
Um, you can find me on social media at, at Cali Yoga on TikTok and Instagram. That's pretty much it. Sorry, I kind of like zoned out when you were talking. The he has a UGC content. Uh, oh yeah, if you need like, uh, yes, thank you for saying that. I like just started a new account um, for my UGC business. So like if you are a business and you need videos made for your like social media videos made for your business, hit me up. It's UGC by Callie on TikTok and Instagram. Amazing. All right, we will see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye you enjoyed today's episode be sure to take a screenshot and tag us on instagram at so she is underscore podcast to let us know your takeaways if you could leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts to help us build grow and expand this to anyone it needs to reach i am so grateful for you listening and giving me your time and energy and i can't wait to see you in the next episode <laughs>